Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season two, episode number 23. Let the 2023 Cubs season begin. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook, or email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Crawley, happy opening day eve, number 23 for you. What are the uh, what are the plans for Crawley tomorrow? Um, I will be heading immediately after this. I'm heading down to Chicago. I will be at um, hanging out at Output starting at uh, about 9 o'clock in the morning, and then it'll be um, Cubs game for a while, and then afterwards there's a post-game party with the Bleacher Bum Band. So I will be on my socials at Crawley's Cubs if you're interested. Uh, we got a lot of stuff planned for tomorrow, so it's it's going to be a blast. Absolutely. Let's start things off talking about the uh, last couple of uh, spring training games. They uh, played their final two games of the spring against the White Sox. Yeah, you know, Jamison Tyone looked good on Monday in his final tune-up before the spring. He went five innings, gave up two hits, no runs, no walks, and five Ks. And it was good to see the Cubs offense knock around. Mike White Sox starter Mike Clevenger, he Mr. Controversial in the first inning. Uh, Nico singled and stole second. Dansby walked. Ian Happ and Cody Bellinger hit back-to-back singles to drive in the first two runs. Trey Mancini with the sack fly to score Happ. And then Eric Hosmer doubled to score Bellinger. And that was it for Clevenger. He'll make it out of the first. How about this? We do a show, Dustin, worried about Dansby's spring numbers. At least I know I was worried. He hits a home run in his sixth. I was too. I was too. He hits a home run in his second uh, consecutive spring training game, number two. So there you go. Um, And so that was. And so, you know, as you're kind of looking at that one, the Cubs did end up winning the game eight to five. So a lot of fun on that one. Um, But then what ends up happening is on the last day of the season, you got uh, Drew Smiley. He had no case start. I thought he just had no case spring just in general, Dustin. It wasn't the greatest in my books, but again, Spring is spring. So he went four innings, gave up 10 hits, five runs, four earned, one walk, three strikeouts, and uh, two Ks. But what's going to end up happening then is that the young Cubs are going to fight back. You had a really cool lineup if you were going in there uh, where you got C.P. Crow Armstrong, Kevin Alcantara, Owen Casey, Miguel Amaya, Chase Strumpf. So a lot of the future were in that last A lot game. of future in that one, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, that was one that uh, they won eight to five. So they lost the game, the Monday game, six, six, but it was really a bunch of bullpen guys that again, you're not going to hear about this year. And then the last game, the young guys came back and were able to win it. And so the Cubs finished cactus play with the record of 17, 12 and two. Ironically, both ties were against the White Sox. They had one game canceled because of rain and an exhibition win against team Canada. They were 10-6 and six at home and 7-6 away from Sloan. They scored 153 runs, and the opposition scored 132 for a run differential of plus 21. And the reason, Dustin, I'm bringing that up is because of how important, and, and I'm just kind of just showing this up on the screen right here, the, that, that figure is going to be run differential is always really important, but with the Cubs, and, and this is the way that this team is constructed, Pitching and defense, right? You don't have the big boppers. You're not going to have a bunch of crooked, you know, innings, crooked run innings. So they're going to need to keep that run differential close. And they're going to have to win a lot of close games. I think they're going to have to win a lot of one-run games, games going into the ninth, extra inning games. That's how this Cubs season is going to have to be successful. So it looked good in spring, but that doesn't mean anything uh, once tomorrow starts. You know what I'm saying? Right. It doesn't mean anything, but I think we have to take it for face value, right? These are po- those are positive numbers that you just shared with, with our listeners, yep. right? Those are po- So let, let's see if they can continue that. Now, that doesn't mean they will. Doesn't mean they won't. It might be maybe somewhere in the middle. But for the most part, right, for the most part, they came out of this pretty healthy, right? I mean, spring training, 
that, that, yeah, that's some I, good news too. They're they're pretty they're pretty healthy. They're a pretty healthy ball club as we have the opener uh, as we have the opener tomorrow. All in all, I think it was a really good spring for the Cubs. I think for the most part, the guys that needed to perform for the most part, not all of them, but did. Uh, you stayed relatively injury free, um, and so I think that you know it was a good spring. And and so now the Cubs made a flurry of moves these last couple of days. Javier Assad officially in the bullpen, like we speculated, Dustin. You know, there's a lot of thought that he was going to be a starter in Iowa, but he had such a strong spring training and such an outstanding performance in the WBC. It was a no doubter that the Cubs would want to keep him on the big league squad. Uh, another player, Dustin, that succeeded both in camp and at the WBC for Team Italy, Miles Mastrobuani. He makes the team. He had limited at bats in spring. He played 10 games, 20 at bats, but he slashed 350, 500, 350. He can play infield and outfield and will get some starts in right with Seiya out. Speaking of Seiya, he may be returning to the Cubs as soon as mid April now. So on Monday, he played three innings of defense only in right field during a minor league game. So. That's that's a great sign, Dustin. Now with that's a really coming, good sign much earlier than I would have thought. I, you know, I thought I thought May, right? I, I thought early May, but this is great news. Right, and with that news, the Cubs are able to make corresponding moves, and what they decided to do is um, cut Mike Talkman, right? And so uh, they don't need Talkman anymore because that was the belief is with say out, you wanted a you know full-time uh, guy to play outfield and Talkman had a really good spring, but uh, not going to happen. Unfortunately, that also means that Christopher Morell will be optioned to AAA like we expected. Um, Morell had a 269 batting average in spring with a 910 OPS, but the Cubs were concerned uh, with obviously 24 strikeouts and 52 at-bats. So they want him to get every day at bats. He has to work on plate discipline. We've talked about it on this show plenty. Love the guy. Love the energy he brings. And and I, I don't think people have to worry too much. He'll be he'll be back and he'll be strong. Yeah, he'll be back. He'll be strong. I'm just curious. Uh, Jed Hoyer is going to be on with David Haw tomorrow, eight o'clock on the score. Um, I'm I'm curious about this move though. The, the Miles the Miles move as opposed to Christopher Morell. Maybe they just think big picture. It's more important that Christopher gets more at bats, but I want to hear Jed kind of talk us through that one a little bit tomorrow, hopefully. Absolutely. It's going to, it comes down to the at bats and, and it's just, it's not going to help his development to only come in two days, two games a week. It's just not. So that that's really the issue. And so the one big question we had entering spring was third base. According to Sahad of Sharma, the athletic, it's not going to be a straight up platoon. We talked about this on the last episode, Dustin, you know, like, okay, wisdom's going to get the lefties and, uh, Mag- you know, and then, uh, and Rios, Edwin Rios, who had a really good spring would get the righties. Uh, but now what they're saying is put Nick magical in that picture. If you have a guy that has great swing and miss stuff, then you're probably going to see magical. Cause you want a guy that makes contact as opposed to, uh, wisdom and Rios, both of those guys are guys that strike out a lot, so it's not going to be easy for Magical, so we'll see what happens. But Wisdom slash 333, 458, 615 with three home runs, eight RBIs, 15 Ks, and nine walks, three home runs, and eight RBIs. Edwin Rios, who the Cubs signed, picked up after he was non-tendered by the Dodgers, uh, he had a nice spring, 227, 333, 591 with four homers and eight RBIs, two doubles and a triple. So he did have 16 strikeouts to four walks, um, and then Magical, like I said, making that contact. Uh, the Cubs did make another deal involving an infielder, and that's Zach McKinstry. He was traded to the Tigers for minor league pitching prospect Carlos Guzman, and so you can never have too much pitching. Uh, McKinstry was also acquired from the Dodgers in the Chris Martin trade, but he was never able to get it going with the Cubs, you know, and so... This is the second of the infielders to be traded away after Esteban Kairos was traded to the Phillies for cash. So it does two things. It clears up that infield logjam that the Cubs had, and it frees up a spot on the 40-man roster. So, you know, sorry, Zach, it just didn't work out, you know? Yeah, he was just okay. Nothing special. I, I You know, you can, again, as they everybody says, you can never have enough pitching. So uh, I think I think the Cubs will live without Zach McKinstry around. Now, there was a surprise move, Dustin. Catcher Luis Turen signed a minor league deal this offseason. He's made the team. So he has played with the Padres and the Mariners in the past. He's known as a bat-first catcher and a subpar defensive glove framer type guy. But he had an opt-out deal in his contract if he didn't make the major league club. 
So if he didn't make the team, he would have been free to become a free agent. Um, so he looked good with the Mariners in 2021, but he really struggled offensively in 2022. Uh, 2022. He did have a strong winter in Venezuela and winter ball. And this spring, he went six for 19 with two home runs and two doubles. He can also play some second base. So with the Cubs having two older catchers, right? You, you got, you know, Tucker Barnhart. And when, when you talk about, um, oh, Blanken now on the other, Jan Gomes. These are two guys that, you know, are a little bit long in the tooth. This gives you a little bit of a backup option. And if, you know, who knows? If you need to pinch hit for one of those guys, Terenz has a pretty good bat and has some more pop, which the Cubs definitely need. Oh, now, you need as much pop as you can get. I mean, we've been down that road before. That That's something they're missing, and if somebody can deliver that, and it makes sense based on what you said. If you don't have this guy on the team, then he's free to go, so they at least value him that much to see what he can do. Yeah, and, and again, the, you know, it's it's not going to be like, the, you know, you know, like last year with Jan Gomes, if all of a sudden you wanted to pinch hit, you put Wilson Contreras in, and you know Wilson Contreras would good to go for plenty of games. You don't have that young catcher. We don't know what Miguel Amaya is going to do. Hopefully he he has a really strong um, AAA, which is where I believe he'll be. But, uh, you know, you got to be careful. Um, we talked about Assad making the team. A few more moves on the pitching side. The Cubs waived Rowan Wick. He cleared waivers, and he was assigned to Iowa. So, see ya. Um, no, no tears over here, Dustin. But uh, Rowenis Elias, who the Cubs signed in the offseason and played for Team Cuba in the WBC, he's also going to start in Iowa. Uh, you look at Brandon Hughes, it looks like he's going to start on the IL. So Julian Mer- Merriweather and Mark Leiter appear to have spots in the bullpen, as does Michael Rucker. Uh, I can't wait. We're going to have a lot of the minor league broadcasters on this season on the fly, the W and, and, and it's, I, I'm really interested in this Iowa team. This Iowa team, it has a lot of talent on it and, and it's, and by the end of the year, it's going to be ridiculous. So I, I have a really good feeling that there's going to be more uh, Cubs minor league affiliates and championship games like last season. Well, this will be the place, Crowley, for your eyes and ears. If you don't get to pay attention to it as much as uh, we do, we will keep you definitely updated on what's happening down on the farm. Right. And perhaps the biggest news of the day, though, was yesterday, Dustin. It broke. I texted you immediately. I'm like, oh, my God. Nico Horner gets his contract extension. Jeff Passan reported that the Cubs and Nico came to an agreement on a three-year, $35 million contract extension. What were your initial thoughts, Dustin? Um, number one, I was happy to hear the news. Number two, when I saw the the parameters of the deal, I thought, cheap, cheap, cheap. Good for the Cubs and good for Nico Horner. And then he becomes eligible for a new deal at, like, age 29. So right when he's in his, in his biggest, best spot, supposedly, in development, he'd be right there. So I think this is really, really good news for both sides. I'm happy the Cubs did it. I'm happy Nico took it. But it seems like a pretty economic deal to me. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, is that Nico, you bought out two years of arbitration and you bought out one year of free agency. So he's going to be delayed. When, I mean, he's getting paid. He's not getting delayed. But that's what you did is you bought one more year of Nico and you don't have to worry about the arbitration process. $35 million, That that's a good amount of money that Nico should be financially okay for the rest of his life. Uh, the Cubs don't have to risk it. You, you know, Nico is a great kid and, and, and we don't know, but, but injuries have always been an issue, right? So instead of signing a six or seven year deal with a guy that has had injury issues, some of them not his fault at all, fluke injuries, others just injuries that happen, but no big deal, and and Nico has, like you said, one more bite at the apple at, at age 29 to get even a bigger contract. So I think it works out for everybody. One person it does not work out for, though, is Ian Happ. Ian Happ will not get an extension, which is exactly what we had talked about. Uh, I brought it up at Cubs convention in, in one of my questions, I think, with, with Jed Hoyer. Um, you know, he was looking for a long-term big money deal following his all-star season. And he didn't get it. This was a quote from Ian Happ. It's not something that I really want to get into. Went through the process, and that's about it. There's nothing really to report. No real comment on it. He said, yeah, according he to Jordan, pissed off. <laughs> according to Jordan Bastian, to me. 
According to Jordan Bastion, he'll make sure he enjoys the day-to-day with Cubs this year. Soak in every moment. I mean, is he pissed? Clearly not happy. Um, and then this is what happens. But here's the thing is that the Cubs, we've talked about who they have down there. When you have PCA, when you have Brennan Davis, when you have Alexander Canario, there's other guys too that, that could have a breakout season. Jordan Nuogu is a guy that often gets overlooked. Uh, but, you know, you're going to have to pay Ian Happ. He, when, when you saw the extension, Manny Machado has that extension. You have one big free agent next year. It's Shohei Otani, and that's about it. And so when you're a guy like Ian Happ, if, you're, if there's a team that's looking for a gold glove all-star, you know, all-star player, Ian's going to be one of the best guys on the market. I think he's going to clearly be the best outfielder on the market other than Shohei Otani. So I think yeah, I mean, Ian, you're right. It's, it's Shohei Otani and then everybody else, right? I mean, it's not even, I mean, it, it's like, it's like front of the church and cry room stuff. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's apples and oranges. It, it's yes. So I think he is smart to get out on the open market because obviously Shohei Otani can only play for one team. Right. And, and, and as far as, you know, Ian, I mean, it, it probably is frustrating. You know, this is another guy that didn't get an extension and, and these guys do want to play here. They love Chicago. And I don't know, I don't think the Cubs ever had any intention of paying Ian what he thought he was worth. And so, uh, you know, enjoy it. It, 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 you know, I hope Ian has a great year and I hope he is successful in what he does, but clearly not going to be with the Cubs. So, uh, the one thing that will always, I, I know I'm weird like this. He never got a bobblehead for the Cubs. Nick Magical got <laughs> Nick Magical got a bobblehead. Nick Magical got a bobblehead. Dustin, Ian Happ was never even thought of enough to give a bobblehead to. I just, you know, I think that, that for Ian, it probably was, you know, definitely some some feelings of disrespect. And I hope that you know he can play with a clear mind so that he has a successful. 2023 both for him for his sake and for the cubs sake you know so maybe he'll play so well this year that the cubs won't mind spending the cash but they do have that crowded crowded outfield yeah that that's where it comes down to it's 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 just you know a log jam outfielders it's just not going to happen so uh nico's deal was just made official as we were talking right now covers the 2024 2026 season so it was pretty much what we talked about all off off season dustin is that it looked like nico they were going to try to get something done and with ian i never believed they would you are listening to the fly the w670 podcast this is season number two it's episode number 23 and it's let the 2023 Cubs season begin, Crawley. And in this segment, you're talking a former Brewers pitcher, current host and the pregame, postgame analyst on Brewers Live, host of Brewers Unfiltered Podcast. This is Crawley with Tim Dillard. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I have former Milwaukee Brewers pitcher, the current host of the pre and postgame show on Brewers Live and host of the Brewers Unfiltered Podcast, Tim Dillard. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm good. Th- this is a Cubs podcast? You didn't tell me that. <laughs> That's the only way I could get you to come on, right? Oh, unbelievable. I just yeah, thought, yeah, that. I didn't know. Fly the W? I, d- I just thought that was like a, I don't know. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> I was I was going to offer you some, uh, you know, some spotted cow and some cheese curds to come on, but I figured if I just didn't mention the name of the show, we would be all good. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, now... If we take a look here, Tim, you know, I was looking last at the numbers and the Cubs and Brewers played 19 times last season. And I was surprised that the Cubs actually took the series uh, 10 games to nine last year. Um, you know, they, they, they obviously struggled after the big sell off in 2021 where they were only four and 15 against Milwaukee. So, you know, it, this has been, a, I think, a fun rivalry for the flat, you know, for the past few years. It's been pretty enjoyable. Yeah, you. I mean, really, you want every game in the big leagues or always anywhere to be evenly matched. That's what you want. Ideally, you want every team that you know every game matters. Every game's close. Um, so yeah, for the last few years, it has been that way. You know, even in years where maybe you know the Brewers or Cubs are not as good, it's still a fun game, right? Like just even even if you're not from Chicago or not from Milwaukee, even a player on the team that's from anywhere else, they get it. They understand the rivalry that's there. And either way, it's just good baseball. That's why you're supposed to have rivalries. Right. And last year, you guys had a really good season, 86 and 76. You finished second, but you finished out of the wild card. 
I think one of the things that really shocked those of us not, you know, tuned in, plugged into the Brewers was the trade of Josh Hader. How surprised were you when that happened and what effect did you think that had on the team last season? Uh, well, I mean, Josh Hader, probably the best reliever in all of baseball, you know, especially with Edwin Diaz going down. I mean, it's almost like, well, this year it's going to be Josh Hader going into this whole thing. Um, but that's the presence that he brings. You know, he was a leader in that bullpen. And I think the Brewers management even came out and said that it, they didn't realize how big of an impact that was going to be. But so you got to realize, too, that the Brewers don't have just oodles and gobs of money. They're not the Mets. You know, they can't just start getting every player and keeping them for 10 years. Um, and I think the thought process was let's get as much for them now as we can, because if they waited till this year to get rid of Josh Hader, or, you know, to trade him or whatever, some teams may be like, you know, what, we're not going to give you that much. And then you're stuck and you got to pay a guy, you know, 18 million or whatever he's got to get paid. So then I, I think, I don't know. I mean, who's to say what's right or wrong? We don't know all the ins and outs, you know, at the, at the you know, the guys that get paid all the money uh, at the top levels, they, they're the ones that know the ins and outs and they thought this was the best course of action. But I, I think everyone knows it did affect the team. It affected that clubhouse, but the reason they did it is because they had Devin Williams. Devin Williams is fantastic. Um, he's just, I mean, if you're going to get rid of an elite closer, you have an elite closer right behind him. Right. And, and, you know, obviously you're, you're in Arizona, you're watching, keeping tabs of what the Brewers are doing out in the desert. Sure. Uh, Devin Williams though was in the world baseball classic for team USA. And, and he looked really, really good out there. Did he, did you have a chance to talk to him about his experience in the WBC? I didn't. I'm sure there's, you know, a gazillion articles and, and all that stuff. I don't really get too much in the weeds of it. When I see the guys, I just, you know, hang, you know, just talk to him a little bit. Um, he's just a good guy. And for him to be able to have the tutelage under Josh Hader has just brought him to another level. And so being in those high leverage situations, it's not a surprise. He goes in the World Baseball Classic and some really big moments. And he's probably got the slowest heart rate in the entire building, which is what you want. <laughs> so what you want out of a closer, especially one that young. Yeah, absolutely. So I was looking at the at, at the guys, the additions and subtractions that you guys have had. And, and you know, when you think about some of the guys that you lost, Brad Boxberger comes to the Cubs, which we're excited about, you know, having a, you know, vet, we have a really young bullpen. So having a, a veteran like Boxberger and we've seen what he's done over there. But, you know, Colton Wong is gone. Lorenzo Kane and Andrew McCutcheon. Those are just two great guys. Also two Cub killers, obviously near the end of the career. But uh, Hunter Renfro is, is another guy that's gone. But, uh, you know, you've added some players too. Jesse Winkers, a notorious Cubs killer from when he was with Cincinnati. Mm. And Wade Miley, he was with the Cubs last year, but he just could not stay healthy. But, uh, you know, from what you've seen in spring training, how, how, much, how excited are you about this club so far going into it? I mean, very excited. I just – last year, um, it's almost like the team was built around, let's see how many home runs we can hit. I think this year you're going to see a lot more speed come from the Brewers, a lot more – I don't want to say situational hitting because that sounds dated, um, but there's going to be more base hits. You know, with the shift being banned, I think that's going to help people like Christian Yelich, Rowdy Telez. So I think there's going to be a lot more action, which means exciting ball games. And the Brewers are used to playing so many close games, um, but I, but scoring more runs is going to help them probably more than a team like the Yankees that don't play as many one run games. You know, so I, I think that's going to play a huge factor i will say on that list that you popped up there on the screen which is really cool i don't even know how you did that <laughs> but down at the bottom hunter Pe or uh, hunter renfro and jace peterson to me th those are big uh jace peterson was the ultimate utility man but he was above average in every aspect of the game and of course hunter renfro they just couldn't afford him but that guy rakes you know and also uh, has a cannon in the outfield so I don't know. Those were the big ones that you're kind of like, they couldn't keep these guys, but they also have Mike Brasso, who's had one of the best springs of anybody in the Cactus League. Um, and then you also can put Brian Anderson in right field, which he may be the opening day guy, the one that uh, I played against him when he was in the minor leagues for the Marlins. He's a good player. He's got a great arm. So, I mean, they've, did, they've done a very good job filling in for the roles that they lost, which in years past, it's, it's you know, what are they really looking for? They're looking for power, you know. Um, but I think the Brewers this year are looking at it. You know what? We can score runs. You don't want a full lineup of guys just trying to hit the long ball. You want a very balanced dynamic, and that's what they have this year. Well, I got to tell you, the one thing that interests Cub fans is, is, you know, when we talk about the rivalry between the Cubs and the Brewers, probably the guy that really, really stoked that rivalry the last few years was Wilson Contreras. <laughs> Wilson is now with the Cardinals, but 
You guys traded and got his brother, William Contreras. So you're going to face Wilson still, even though he's now with the Cubs. He's with the Cardinals. You guys are going to see him plenty. And obviously, you know, if you're looking at what all the uh, prognosticators say, it's going to be Cardinals one, Brewers two battling like it was last year. You know, do, do you feel like that 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 intent that dislike that Brewers fans and it, it seemed like the players in a way had towards Wilson? Do you think that keeps going with Will with his brother William on the team? Uh, I mean, even though they're brothers and they play the same position and they're both right-handed and they're not the same player, you know, I, I think that'd be unfair for William to you know start holding angst <laughs> toward him <laughs> or uh, anything like that. I, I walked by him in the hallway today, right before the game, and just. Seeing the way he interacts with everybody, seeing the way he interacts with the clubhouse guys and going about his business. Um, I don't know. He's just got a good personality, has a good outlook on the game. And uh, what's interesting is I just left the field and I don't I haven't checked the score lately, but he did hit two three run homers, I believe. And both of them were the opposite field. So when you start looking at clutch, is this guy clutch? What can he do? Uh, he, he's an impact guy because what wins ball games, right? pitching defense and three run homers <laughs> so for a guy in those big moments to have those big uh the big at bats that could be a preview of things to come this season yeah and, and we always knew that you know with wilson you know he was more of an offensive catcher but he struggled with framing whereas william always seemed to be a little bit better in that department have you seen him handle the pitching staff and how does that look so far it looks good i, I think one of the for whatever reason one of the um storylines is you know he, he doesn't have, he's not that good behind the dish or something like that which i i don't know where that came from he looks he looks good and he's caught a wider range of pitchers lefties guys throwing um you know 95 all the way to to righties throwing 95 on our cutters or 98 on our sinkers and he's held his own so i think he's a very um skilled above average catcher but what the brewers are are notorious for taking any catcher and making them better behind the dish. So I think that's going to be something that we see throughout the year. He's he's just going to keep getting better. So the Brewers did a good job uh, going out there and not only finding a bat at the catching position, but finding a guy that's not only good behind the dish, but going to continuously get better. Now, one one storyline that we were kind of looking at this year that we, we thought, you know, a lot of Cub fans thought was interesting was it, it seemed like, you know, that 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 arbitration case with Corbin Burns. Now, I mean, I know, you know, when you talk about, you know, uh, small market teams versus large, you know, nobody has Steve Cohen money, but it seemed to me, and, and, and as a former player, you could probably speak to this, you know, why would you over such a small dollar amount, why would you get into it with a guy that, you know, is really someone that you could potentially think about wanting to sign and, and keep as an ace? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. I, I I've had a lot of guys that, um, maybe not a lot that have gone through arbitration, uh, but have gotten, you know, deep into the process. I do know several guys that actually have, have gone through it and won and some that have lost. And it is just a, it's just a bad process. I don't know who came up with the idea that, Hey, this is what we're going to do. You know, we're going to get a guy that we love and, and then we're just going to bash him while he bashes us. And we're going to do it in front of somebody that's unbiased. And then we'll just see where it lands. And then, we're all going to kiss and make up afterwards. <laughs> like, right. It's just not going to work. You know, it's just a terrible, terrible process. Um, so I get it. I get it. If Burns was upset because I think the Brewers, it didn't matter who you are, you know, it didn't matter. Yes. It's Burns and he's obviously, you know, high profile and Cy Young and opening day starter, but it didn't matter who it is. Anybody that goes through that process is not going to feel the same coming out of it. And until they fix the process, this is what you're going to see, you know, whether you're that that top guy that's elite all star or down to the guy that's just, you know, at the bottom of the of the barrel. But as long as that process sticks, you're, you're going to see headlines like that. Now, now, the one guy that surprised me kind of hearing his story for you guys is Keston Hira and, and kind of. Has there been any resolution to that? Is he is he going to the minors? Is, are they looking for a trade for him? What, what's the situation with Keston right now? Yeah, well, I just heard today from uh, Brewers beat writer Adam McAlvey. So they informed Keston that he's not going to make the team. And I think they've tried to work out trades uh, in that regard. But at the same time, he goes through waivers. Um, and then he can elect free agency or they can still trade him or he can accept um, a spot in AAA, and apparently this takes like 10 days and we're mm -hmm. only in day like one or two of it. Um, but I think 
you know, Kesta made such a big splash in 2019. I mean, who who goes to the big leagues in their first season? They're batting 300, almost 20 home runs, um, almost 60 RBIs. Like that is a big splash. And then say, okay, we'll do that again, and then do that again, and then do that again. And he got so many chances, but couldn't put it together. Uh, but the guy's a big leaguer. When he is finally um, unlocked, I don't know if it's going to be with the Brewers or whatever team, but when finally somebody can unlock him, uh, he is going to just be a force to reckon with. And will he be in the big leagues again? Yes, absolutely he will. Who, what team? I have no idea. I, I remember watching him, and he, he was, like you said, it was 2019, and I was at, the, I was at Miller Park at the time. I, you guys still call it Miller Park? Do most people call it Miller? And well, I mean, if you want to put money in the swear jar, then I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're – all the fans, they call it uh, – yeah, but – when we're on air, it's, it's American family field. So, oh yeah. Yes. They pay the bills. Right. So <laughs> when, when I was sitting there, I was, I, God, I can't remember what the game was. It was a very infamous for Cubs because they took a, it was like a, there someone took a video of, it was Jed and Theo in a box somewhere in Milwaukee with their hands like this. And Keston Hira made a come from behind home run that and I'm in, I'm in a, I'm, I'm at the game and I'm just crushing. I'm like, this guy is just unbelievable. And like you said, maybe a change of scenery, Something like that will change it for him. I don't know, but surprising. You know what I mean? Well, it's it's just a very interesting case, and I think the Brewers know this. They're like, they want to keep him because they know. And and listen, it baseball is hard, and when pitchers figure out how to pitch you, it gets even harder. You know, for hitters. I was a pitcher, and if I made the same mistake to the same hitter back to back at bats, that's on me. You know, because you can know a lot from a hitter. So I think he got figured out in a way, and he's tried to make adjustments. But I think the Brewers know that. When he does make the right adjustment and everything clicks, um, that he's going to be a valuable asset. I, I don't know if making this move at the end of spring is going to help Keston. Uh, I think he's, I think maybe his contract's for like $2 million or something like that if he's in the big leagues. So I don't know if that's going to, you know, play against him at all because at the end of spring, right, everybody's filled. Everybody has 30 guys that could make the team and they have to start, you know, whittling it down. So, and it's happened to me before, you know, you get sent down in big league camp and, or you get outrighted or whatever it is you got taken off the roster. And then suddenly you're like, well, no one's calling. It's like, cause everybody has everyone right now. You know, there's nobody really looking. So um, that's, that kind of puts Kest in a tough situation, but I think at the same time, maybe the Brewers idea is, Hey, maybe we have a chance to keep him in triple a. Um, and if he figures it out, then boom, he's right back up there. Yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing some teams are going to want to take a flyer on him. Uh, as you talked about, we know the opening day starters for sure. It's going to be Marcus Stroman versus Corbin Burns. This is the first time that Stroman's starting for the Cubs in opening day. Um, I remember Corbin started last year for the Brewers, and surprisingly, the Cubs did well in that first start. But then after that, Corbin Corbin Burns became Corbin Burns, and sure. unbelievable. But would you say that uh, – how do you guys think you're lining up as far as rotation? I think it's good. You got Corbin Burns. You got uh, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. Um, Eric Lauer, Wade Miley, and in the wings, uh, injured right now, not sure his status, but Adrian Hauser, which Adrian Hauser is, for me, if, you know, bullpen or uh, as a starter, with the shift being banned, I think it's going to really play well for him. He's a ground ball guy that could be a lot of double plays. Um, you got Aaron Ashby's on the shelf, but he could be, you know, coming back in the next month or two. So there is depth there. Um, but I would say, number one, we know, you know, a lot of expectations for Burns and Woodruff, but Freddie Peralta has been the talk of camp from day one. Anytime a player is asked, "Hey, who who do you who have you seen that's really stuck out this year?" and the answer for everybody has been Freddie Peralta. Whatever he's doing in his bullpens, um, or what what they see behind the scenes, he is doing something special, and that's what I've learned. I've learned if you're gonna if you want to know what's going on, but you know, with a player ask the teammates. And so they know something, there's a buzz there. So really look for Freddie Peralta to have a really a bounce back season. Now, so it would probably, would you say then, so Burns and Stroman on Thursday, would you say Woodruff would start for you guys on Saturday for the second game? I guess you say us like, like I got the lineup card, the blank <laughs> lineup card in front of me. Here, let me see. Uh, I know this guy here, this guy. Yeah. We've kind of, um, we, we've kind of yeah, got I think some it's shaping. I think it's shaping up that way. Yeah. 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 And, and and so that would be then Woodruff versus we're, we're thinking Justin Steele, a yeah. le young lefty who's who had a really, really good season last year. So, yeah, I've been watching him that. a lot on the TV and kind of, you know, hearing the commentators talk about the adjustments he's made and and what Rossi thinks of him. And um, man, he was he's just good. He's like the typical lefty that's just hard to hit. 
just hard to hit. Like you can't just classify him as, oh, he's he's this lefty that, that no, he attacks you. He knows what he's doing. And Brewers have had notorious uh, problems with left-handed starters. So um, hopefully with some of the new pieces that have been added, the Brewers can counteract that because uh, Justin Steele, he's legit. Right. And then, so it'll probably then look like Freddie Peralta, like you said, having a great spring. Yep. And then the Cubs acquired Jamison Tyone from the Yankees, um, you know, or off free agency. So, you know, we, I think the Cubs team is one that, you know, we, we looked at the additions and subtractions in Milwaukee with the Cubs. You're talking about adding Dansby Swanson, getting Trey Mancini out there, hoping for a bounce back season from Cody Bellinger. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the Cubs can surprise some people. You know, like I said, when, when I look at the and, and I know, Tim, as a former player, you, you're going to roll your eyes at Pocota projections or all that stuff or just what the analysis have to say. But I think the Cubs are going to look better than what a lot of people think, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's um, some of the pieces that they have. Uh, they're good. And I mean, Dansby is going to do what you know he's been doing, probably excel even more just being at Wrigley and then some of the other places that he's going to play. Um, I was former teammates with Patrick Wisdom. I love that guy. <laughs> He's just an amazing, no nonsense, make a mistake, I'll punish it in the street kind of guy. Um, you know, whether he's playing third or playing outfield, right field. Um, but I'm really interested in Trey Mancini. I mean, just uh, he's a proven player. Um, and, and Wrigley's tough to conquer early on. So it's it's really fun to see like how that's gonna play. And then is it magical they're gonna be the opening day third baseman? Well, that's the question. They're looking at a couple different things and they're looking at using three guys. They picked up Edwin Rios from the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so Patrick Wisdom will go against lefties and then they would have Rios go against righties. And then with Magical, what they're thinking is if you got a guy that has good swing and miss stuff, say a Corbin Burns, a guy that doesn't, you know, then you'd probably try to get some guy with contact and that's where Magical would come in. Okay. I really like Magical over there. Like, I, I think. If they were to put him at third and just let him play all season long, I think they would probably get something very special in return. So maybe I kind of hope they don't do that. Uh, <laughs> but you can just tell as a player, you watch a guy and you're like, man, he he's working really hard at third base to conquer it. He's made some outstanding plays. He's learned a lot this spring. Like I said, all I do is watch games on TV. Um, and, and to me, that would be the easy case. But I know that, you know, let's play matchups and all that. Um, and it would be tough if you're magical going, oh, I get. I get to face the Cy Youngs <laughs> in the rotation every time. Yeah, gee, thanks. Um, I think he's done too well, and I think he's at a good spot that um, it would be a disservice if he's not in there every day. But I don't know. Like I said, I'm just some bearded wash-up, you know, watching on TV. <laughs> well, here's what I'm going to tell you, Tim. It, it, Tim. You know, the Brewers joined the NL Central in 98, but the first time I remember you guys getting on our nerves was that 2008 <laughs> season. And you were, you were on that team and, uh, and then that was, you got CC's the bath. Yeah. We got rich Harden and it, and, and you guys were able to get into the playoffs. I think on the last day of the season on a Sunday against the, against the Cubs. And uh, you know, you were the young guy, but, but Craig council was on that team and he was the old veteran, right? Did you know back then that he was going to be such a good manager because people kind of give me a hard time, but I, in my opinion, in the NL central, I mean, I think David Ross is a really good manager. I still think, you know, he's, you know, learning but i think that craig council is really overlooked sometimes as far as what he does as a manager i think so too um and yes you know being his teammate for several years he just had that way about him he didn't put up with anything you know if somebody was doing something out of line um and i got several stories that you know just witnessing and not being mean but you know going to somebody and be like hey uh you're not going to take batting practice and there'll be a young kid like oh batting practice is optional and council's like not for you, <laughs> you know, like you're trying to get your feet wet and you're going to just take the option on batting. Like just stuff like that. Like he could always see the big picture. Um, and he'd been in so many big games, world series. And so, um, yeah, I think you, I could always see him being a manager, a personal note for me, I got traded or I got uh switched sidearm from, uh, over the top to sidearm in 2010. And I just asked him in the outfield one day in spring training, uh, just kind of went out to him. We were shagging in left field. And I said, uh, what would you say, say to, how would you bat against a guy, a righty throwing sidearm? Because it's a different look. It's a different thing. I have to figure out how do I pitch a lefty, especially a proven lefty on a guy that has, for my opinion, has seen every kind of pitcher there can be lefty and righty. So that was my go-to. And he gave me a lot of good pointers. So even 
even when he was still a player, he was coaching. So it was just a matter of time. But I think it's a disservice that, you know, you, you have the universal DH because there was so much in the National League on all the things you could do as far as substituting and bunting and situational hitting that Craig Council has just a, I mean, he just, that part of his brain works. And the way he can get the most out of everybody during a game um, that now that every, you know, the DH is everywhere. It's kind of like, I don't know. You've seen the movie Little Big League. They have a kid that's managing in the big leagues, right? They have the <laughs> DH. How hard could it be? <laughs> well, j- just just a little fact for you. The mother in that movie Little Big League. Yeah, I did know this. Yeah, that, that that's our uh, top prospect's mom. She's an actor. That's Pete Crow Armstrong's mom that was in Little Big League. So, you know, hey, it, it all comes around. But, Tim, I really appreciate you jumping on and giving us your perspective on the Brewers, sure. you know. The I-94 rivalry is always always a fun one, and, and I, I'll make a few trips up to AmFam, a.k.a. Miller Park, and, and hopefully you'll be able to maybe you know stop by Wrigley and, and come check out what we got going on, and uh, hopefully we have a good season for both teams. Yeah, I don't know if I can make it to Wrigley. I think I'm going to be doing the pre and post uh, from our studio in Milwaukee for all of those games, but if you're at AmFam, let me know because – you know, once I'm done with the pregame show, all I do is just kind of hang out. So maybe we can share a pretzel. Never know. Sounds good, Tim. I appreciate it. And you take care and have a good season. Yep. Thank you. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is the podcast for you if you want all things Cubs baseball a couple times a week from Crawley and I. Don't forget to listen, download, review, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. It's segment number three, Crawley. It's prediction time. Here we go. It's this is for real. You know, we we are less than twenty four hours from opening day. We know that Pakoda had the Cubs record for this season at seventy seven and eighty five. MLB just released their power rankings this morning. The Cardinals are the top NL Central team at number ten. The Brewers at number fourteen. And the Cubs all the way down at twenty-two. Thoughts on that, Dustin? Um. Okay. I, I mean, I, I understand those predictions. I, I get it. I, I mean, it doesn't make me want to click my heels like Ron Santo or anything like that. But uh, my my predictions are are very different from what uh, what Pakota is saying. And and hey, listen, there's there's nowhere to go but up as far as the power rankings go. All right, then then let's get into our predictions. Number one, prediction number one here. What place will the Cubs finish in the NL Central, and what will be their record? Will they make the playoffs, Dustin? Second place, I have them 85 and 77 and in the postseason. Wow, all right. So that positive? Absolutely um, flipped of what Pakoda had. I've got... I've got 85 wins. They've got 85 losses. 85 and 77. Cubs in second place and by just a smidge. It's going to be a tight, tight race. I have the Cubs with 83 wins and and 79 losses. Uh, I think that they're going to have a really good season. Um, Much better than last season. But this one's a tough one. I struggled this one. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to finish in second place. I think that uh, th- there's too many other strong teams in the East and the West uh, for for uh, for a wild card to make it out of the Central. But I think that 83 and 79 is where they'll be. I think they're going to be in second place. I think that the Brewers are going to sell off midseason, and that's where the Cubs can kind of sneak by them. Right. I kind of feel the same exact way. All right. Prediction number two, Crowley. I'll read this one. You can go first. Okay. Who will lead the Cubs in batting average, home runs, and runs batted in? All righty. I have three different, which I I feel is kind of uh, goofy, but that's the way I'm kind of going with it here. Batting average, I'm going to go with Nico Horner. I think he's going to have the highest batting average. I think he's going to have a really, really good season. He doesn't have to worry about money anymore. And it's not a ridiculously big contract you got to live up to, like Soriano and Hayward. You know what I mean? It's a fair contract. And so I think I think that takes a lot of pressure off him. Home runs, I'm going with the Cubs home run leader the past two years, Patrick Wisdom. I think Patrick Wisdom. His spring training really impressed me. I think he's going to be put in very favorable matchups. I think he's going to hit the home runs. And for the RBIs, let's go with the aforementioned Ian Happ. 
All right, How very about you? interesting. I, I'm I'm very I'm similar. I'm similar. I, I think Nico will lead, and I think Nico needs to lead in the leadoff spot if the Cubs are going to do what I think they're going to do. Um, Wisdom is a really good pick for uh, home runs. Um, I'm going to go Trey Mancini though for home runs, and I'm actually going to go Patrick Wisdom for the RBIs. I'm just a little bit different than you, but I, I I'm I'm expecting big things. I wanted Mancini from the start. Um, and I'm hoping for a great year for Trey Mancini. All righty. Prediction number three, Dustin. Who will lead the Cubs in wins, strikeouts, and ERA? Well, I got to go with my guy, right? I got to go with Wes Nasty. He's got to be in the mix with some of this stuff. Um, I'll put uh, wins, I'm going to say, um, steal, strikeouts, Lesneski and ERA, I'm going to go with our opening day starter, Marcus Stroman. All right. I'm a little bit different here. I have, for wins, I think it's going to be Marcus Stroman. For strikeouts, I'm with you. I think Hayden Wesneski has the the best swing and miss stuff. And then when you talk about ERA, I'm going to go with Justin Steele for ERA. Okay. So we're just, we're, we're, we're in the same, uh, we're in the same pew on that one, if you will. All right. Prediction number four, how many all-stars will the Cubs have and who will they be? I'm going to go with three all-stars. I am going to go with Nico Horner. I am going to go with Trey Mancini. And the third one, I think, will be Stroh as well. All right. Very interesting. I think they have two, Crowley. I, I got two all-stars, and I think they are uh, Trey Mancini, and I think they are Hayden Wesneski. Those are my two all-stars. <laughs> Your guy, Hayden Wesneski. All righty. Uh, what about gold glovers? That was the big kind of talk before the season. How many gold glovers will they have, and who do you think will win one? Three. I predict three. I predict Dansby Swanston. I predict Cody Bellinger. And I predict Nico Horner will all have gold gloves. I uh, we, we are in agreement on that, Dustin. I do think three gold glovers and the three that you mentioned, I think that up the middle defense is going to be, at, uh, you know, just a ton of fun. You know, I was on the fence with Ian, but uh, I, those three I think are a good, solid lock. So as we go here into, you know, like I said, the clock is ticking on opening day. What are your thoughts going in here, Dustin? What, what, what makes a successful opening day for yourself? Or so, successful oh, I'm sorry, season. Day? Successful okay. 2023 um, season. Um, fun, competitive, no serious injuries. So fun, Give me a reason to watch and listen. Competitive, don't no no ten game losing streaks, nothing stupid, and nobody going down of mat you know that matters to anything serious. Where it's either a whole year of rehab or missing the majority of the season. That that those are my three things. All right, here's you? the thing, Dustin. I believe that the Cubs are on the front edge of their next great Cubs team. This is to me the beginning. I don't it, it's I don't expect a 2015 type season where they shock everybody and make the postseason, but I do expect like you said, competitive baseball all the way till fall and I think Cub fans are going to be really excited actually seeing good defense again, uh seeing athletic I think uh plays by by this team. I think that this Cubs team, like I said, this is going to be the start. And come 2024, that's going to be the explosion. You're going to see a lot of players start to come up and help this team out. I've talked about Jeremiah Estrada. I've talked about Cam Sanders. I think we're going to see one of the stud outfielders before the uh, end of the season that's going to come up with the team. Uh, Hayden Wesniski's already made the team. Justin Steele had his breakout moment last year. Uh, Caleb Killian, guys like that are going to make appearances. They may not play three or four months with the Cubs, but those guys are going to be the building blocks for the next great Cubs team. You have your, your, your shortstop and your second baseman set and locked, and I think a lot of fun things are going to start happening throughout the season, and I think Cub fans 
are going to enjoy this ride. And when we start getting back into the postseason consistently, which I think the Cubs are going to do 2024, 25, 26, we're going to remember 2023 as kind of that springboard season when this all starts. And I couldn't be as a Cub fan more excited. I think the player development is better than it was that first uh, championship run they had in 2016. And so I, I'm really looking for a great type of run for this next uh, Cubs team, the next great Cubs team. I, I, something along the line of what the Dodgers and what the Astros do, where they are developing consistently good players that are coming up and helping them uh, make that playoff run. So that's, that's why this season has me so excited. Well said, Crowley. Well said. So uh, opening day, it's tomorrow. I will tell you that uh, I will be producing the Mully and Haw show tomorrow. Um, we will then hand it off to the Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi show tomorrow, and they will be broadcasting live from Sluggers, as will Zach Zaidman. He will do his pregame and postgame show from Sluggers right there across the street from the ballpark. Crowley, where can uh, everybody have a beer with you tomorrow? Uh, like I said, if you want to go to Output, that's where we will start our morning at Output. The best wings in Wrigleyville. We we have a nice party set up. Uh, we're going to go to the game. And then afterwards, there's an awesome post-game bash. The Bleacher Bum Band of Chicago. Danny Rocket, Bleacher Jeff, Guy Serious. Everybody's favorites are going to be playing all their Wrigley-themed tunes. A little bit of punk rockabilly. And then wherever the night takes us, that's where it's going to go. And well, where's that post game? Have, where's that at? Where's that? That's at? an output. We're going right back, oh, back to output. Back to output. Okay, you didn't say that. Okay, you're going right back. Yeah, to sorry okay, about that. I'm so you're excited opening, about You're the opening band. and kind of closing at output. Opening and closing at output. And again, anybody wants to sit there and show me that they follow, you know, fly the W. I'd love to see you out there. Tell me what you think of the podcast. And let's let's have a drink in, in anticipation of a successful 2023 campaign. All right, Crowley, that's a wrap. Episode number 23 of season number two. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W on Facebook, Fly the W 670 on Instagram. You can email us, Fly the W 670 gmail.com. And you can watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 score YouTube channel. Crowley, happy opening day. Here we go. Go Cubs! It's all over.